Have you ever seen people who appear to have it all together, especially in church, and wondered about the real story beneath the facade? Or how about this? What's your story? And what would happen if people knew the real you, the glorious, the wonderful, the messy, the shameful? Listen in as we tackle hard questions of faith and following Jesus. Welcome to She Seems So Normal, Stories Not Shared on Sundays with your host. That's me, Lee McKenzie. Episode 58, Forgiveness is the Key to the Kingdom, Restoration and Reconciliation. It was early December 2020. Since that summer, my son had been at college in Chicago. We had suffered multiple deaths of beloved ones and had a few huge shifts in ministry. Waiting for an opportune time, I could not catch a good opening to speak to extended family about what transpired in therapy. It's not like I hadn't tried, it's just every time it was shut down or glossed over and we quickly moved on to other topics. Discussing trauma therapy is like COVID-19. Cover your face, put on your masks, don't touch anything or anyone, repeatedly sanitize and wash your hands ASAP so you don't bring it into your home. It's dangerous and we don't know who it's going to kill or who's getting through unscathed. The problem? No one gets through it unscathed. Everyone is traumatized. So in November, with as much courage as I could muster, Christopher and I, along with Michelle and my therapist, strategized the process to share the burden of knowledge with and offer loving confrontation, forgiveness, and reconciliation to my family. Literally empowered by a graphic of all possible responses and why they didn't matter, I even had the words written, I would say, if it came to that. Prepared for a hurricane backlash and all the worst case scenarios, we bathed ourselves in prayer and God's word. A pre-formatted, proofed email received approval on all sides from professionals and pastoral support while giving appropriate honor, love, and hope without mincing words about the source of my childhood sexual abuse. I offered my family of origin the opportunity to schedule time to Zoom or call with questions, initially thinking we would video conference everyone with Christopher as my rescue agent. In case anything went sideways, he would end the call protecting and extracting me. My main goals were explaining what had happened and forgiving any known or unknown roles in the abuse, whether from ignorance, complicit enabling, or actively allowing it. My main message was first and foremost to emphasize Christ's love and forgiveness because they are what matter, not mine. My mother kept her cards close on what she knew or didn't know. She simply wished me well in my struggles and hoped the best for me. What I realize now is that she probably didn't have the bandwidth or the tools to fully enter the conversation. This makes me wonder about my mom's own trauma stories. Knowing she too was groomed by the perpetrators around us, I've asked various times if she was ever abused, but she has denied it. I wonder if, like me, God blessed her with amnesia too. My dad was shocked. Since he wasn't around, he had no idea and he apologized profusely. How could he know their divorce would lead to such abuse or leave such long-lasting, unforeseeable scars? For my abusers, the groomers and the child molesters and rapists masquerading as live-in boyfriends, babysitters' husbands, baseball coaches, banished businessmen or brazen brothers-in-arms, is there a place for predators in heaven or absolution for abusers? I do not think that all who choose wrong roads perish, but their rescue consists 
and being put back on the right road. A wrong sum can be put right, but only by going back till you find the error and working it afresh from that point, never by simply going on. Evil can be undone, but it cannot develop into good. Time does not heal it. The spell must be unwound, bit by bit, with backward mutters of dissevering power, or else not. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis from The Great Divorce. The space I hold in my heart for sexual deviance surprisingly vacillates between compassionate sadness for sinners whose sexual norm seems beyond reckoning and repentance without Jesus Christ, and absolute hatred of the enemy's twisted work wreaked upon humanity through sexual sin. Hell is a miserable place of unquenchable fire and eternal suffering. How can we snatch people from demon-infested brimstone pits to offer hope of forgiveness and redemption except through the power of the cross? While most of my abusers are dead or don't have the power to hurt me anymore, occasionally I've wondered what cocktail of circumstantial circuit chemistry creates monsters from once innocent kids. Close your eyes and imagine, in the time before the shattering, running in the backyard chasing butterflies or climbing trees. Children, long before being wrecked or riddled with pain, before being saddled and broken with self-doubt, before searching for self-worth, before becoming the bully or school shooter fighting for the twisted personal power of demonstrating mastery and strength with words, fists, AK-47s. Before the narcissist became self-absorbed in survival or manipulation and demanded the world be brought to her feet at others' expense. Before the child molester learned about being groomed. Well, they, like you and me, were once kids running around blowing bubbles in the backyard, shrieking with delight at each satisfying pop and watching in wonderment as the halos of light floated upward into the yawning sky. When we become as little children, Jesus says we can come to him through Holy Spirit-empowered forgiveness, pleading for their salvation in the throne room of God. I've prayed they chose the gospel-saving message of Christ as Lord and Savior before their last breath on earth. Forgiving those who had a hand creating shattered little me has been a process, but I'm doing the best I can. It helps restore the soul of the girl whose only outlet was throwing rocks at farmhouse windows to exert her anger, rage, and power. I especially pray for my mom to know the healing peace of Jesus Christ. But right now, I still haven't been able to face her in person. Not just yet. As I've desperately mourned, longing for our former mother-daughter interactions, what I've learned is healthy boundaries change the dysfunctional dynamics of emotional and spiritual power. My rage still ebbs and flows alongside sadness and loss as I wonder why and how this happened under her watch. My king is a miracle-making, restoration-giving father who gives good and perfect gifts, who doesn't change like shifting shadows, and he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we may be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. James 1, 17 and 18. So Lord, I offer my firstfruits my life, myself, my testimony, reconcile and restore what's broken, Father. Jesus, thank you for being my Emmanuel, God with us, now and forever. Amen. 
At this point in the podcast, I would suggest that you go back to episode three. What would you give up for Lent? My hands around her throat. Oh, well, you just go listen to it, okay?